it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 4.16 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Westland. We're going to take a bit of a twist today and hear from a coach who understands what it means to trade the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Phil Bolier was my high school coach and was a living example to many about the generational impact a coach could have on his program and beyond. His story intersects with our season in an interesting way, as he is an extremely close friend of Ernie Johnson, who attended IWU for our conference championship game against Mount Vernon. EJ was inducted into the Society of World Changers and attended our conference championship game while on campus. In the second half, you'll hear from Kyle Mangus about the game. But first, you'll hear from Coach Bo about his pursuit of God first and others second over the decades, and more about his relationship with Ernie. Here's a small clip of Ernie talking about Coach Bo during the World Changers Convocation. I've never considered myself a world changer, but I know that I've lived with some. I'm going to show you a guy who has Indiana roots, the man in the coat and tie is a basketball coach from Leo, Indiana. His name is Phil Bolier. Phil left Leo, Indiana, basketball hotbed to come down to Brazelton, Georgia, football country, and become the head basketball coach at this huge new high school, Mill Creek. And one of his first days there, he met R.L. Michael Johnson, diagnosed with muscular dystrophy after we adopted him in a wheelchair since middle school. And here he was in high school. And Phil Bolier said, I need that kid on my team. That's being Phil Bolier who's looking outside himself. That's Phil Bolier modeling what you model on the basketball team here, that I am third. That it's God and then it's others and then it's me. And that's a world changer. We're joined now by Coach Phil Bolier. And Coach, there's a, a lot I want to get into. You know I'm excited to, to dive into this because of our past and the impact you've had on me. But I just want to rewind uh, back to really what you, drew you into coaching and why you decided you wanted to coach basketball. Uh, first of all, thank you to Indiana Wesleyan men's basketball for – uh, for hosting this and Coach Clark specifically for inviting me. Thank you for doing that. Um, I think I am third and what y'all are pursuing um, is awesome. So bless you for that and and keep going. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And to your question, I, I think what drew me in is, um, you know, when you talk about who's your hysteria and you talk about basketball, I think um, – it gets in your blood, and so at a young age, and I'll go back a little bit. My dad played high school basketball in 1942, but he actually, um, I had an aunt who was like my like my second mom. She actually played in 1939. So you go back in the history of our family, family and make it generational. Started with Aunt Kay and then Dad, and I had brothers who played 
in high school, uh, and I just I, I wrote the notes down in front of me in 1966, and then 70 and 73 and 76 and 78 um, had brothers that played. So I think you take that, inject it into the blood, and basketball and Hoosier hysteria is in our blood. So I think that's what drew me. The competition uh, drew me, but I, I love the teamwork, how you take a group of of five guys and make it a group of 12 with the team, bring them into one unit. I love that concept. I love that you bring up generations because that's really what we hope this episode is about, is about generational impact. So Billy Graham uh, once said, a coach will impact more people uh, in a year than most people will in an entire lifetime. But, but sometimes we talk about what is the impact we have. It's not always positive impact. And you talk about I am third, God first, other second, I am third. And having lived and played under you, growing up alongside of you, you were an example of an I am third coach who put God first and put others second. So what is that impact that a, a coach can have if they do it for the right reasons and they pursue these relationships to help their players grow? I think, um, I think when you talk about a coach and a teacher, I think you talk about reaching um, hearts and lives and building relationships with others. So I would, I would say that one of my favorite things about coaching is including. And I think as, a, as an assistant coach, I didn't see it quite as well, but then you sit in the driver's seat and, wow, there's a lot of stuff you try to, try to balance. And I always try to make sure that it wasn't about me. And man, that is hard being, being a head coach and wanting to win and being passionate about, about the competition. Uh, I tried to put obviously God first and always wanted to include, um, our family. And we were blessed with four sons and I think they thought every gym in the world was their living room. <laughs> so that, that was a fun thing that they would cry when they couldn't go to late practice or early practice. <laughs> um, and it's not necessarily they wanted to get on the, on the floor. They just want to be a part of something really good and be included. Um, I also want to include our school and include the cheerleaders and the band and include um, the cheer block in those days and include um, all of the school with the teachers and let them understand that um, the school is put up for academics and not for athletics. That was just extra. One to always include the community and really started in our program from birth to death that we were a basketball community that was generational that uh, we want to respect the, the people that have gone before us to allow us to have opportunities and, and build that way. And I want to pause right there because having lived that playing under you and seeing an entire program and culture built, uh, especially in the state of Indiana, you brought up Hoosier hysteria and still the impact and meaning of a high school basketball program done well in this state. Uh, it was just a, a joy to grow up in that. But what is the, uh, the role of a high school basketball coach in this state? I'm going to say it's evolved for me, having been involved in basketball, playing and coaching, and, and uh, you know, being in my 40th year or entering the 40th year of teaching and coaching. I think it's evolved. I think in the beginning, to be honest with you, Jeff, I, I thought it was way too much about me. I thought that I had to get on that horse and lead the troops 
And as I've grown in, in my relationship with what, what I'll call God, the greatest head coach ever, and I'll call the Bible the greatest playbook ever, getting more immersed in a relationship with the greatest head coach ever and having a better understanding uh, through great relationships with people around me of, of what this greatest playbook is about, I think you step to the back of the line, not the front of the line. And I think that would be my encouragement of what this is all about. Get everyone included and don't make it about yourself. Um, when you get yourself in the way, I think you really stumble and it doesn't give you that peace that um, at the end of the day, we all want to lay our heads down and have a good night's rest um, with great peace and great hope. And I think when you get yourself out of the way and want to include other people, I think that actually is what drives my love for basketball. When you get out of the way and you have a team that gets themselves out of the way and makes it about everyone else, and we're not concerned too much about who the credit is given to, I think you create that great team that makes basketball work really well. And I think listeners who have been following along can can see why having played under a coach who believes in this and then coming and coaching under Coach Tangle, who says what what you just said embodied is what Coach Tonigal would say, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third. And by putting uh-huh. yourself at the back of the line and pushing others forward, you end up finding what you were looking for in the first place. And that kind of takes us to the next part of your journey and really how it connects to this season. And that's a relationship that you developed uh, with a young man who you met in the hallways down in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Could you briefly tell listeners about uh, who that was and what happened in that story, the impact it had, and then all tie that in around to how it connected with our season here? Sure. Now, I'll give the short version of this. Um, it could go on for hours, but um, if, if all of us could just for a moment, um, whatever level you're coaching, when you get that, that busy season of I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a new out of bounds play or we gotta change our offense a little bit or defensively we've got to improve this and I had that, that list in front of me as a matter of fact it was in my hand and I heard the whirl of a wheelchair and um, I, I looked and walked toward it and um, there was a young man in a wheelchair and I introduced myself and to the other kids in his class. And as I turn to walk away, I, I hear these words, love you too, Coach Bolier. And I stopped. It just stopped me in my tracks and never will I be the same. And I'm so thankful that I stopped and listened to that. Now I'm just called a God wink and steal that from someone else. That God wink of that moment, I turned around and I said, like, excuse me, like, what did you say? And he said, love you too, Coach Bolier. And I thought, like, that right there is what should be in every basketball program in the world. Because what, what I'll call him the founder, because he is the founder of Love You Too for me and for many others. Um, Michael Johnson just said, Love You Too, Coach Bolier. And from that, um, I invited him to be on our team. And this is where Ernie and I became buddies and became really good friends and brothers in 
in Christ. Um, I knew who Ernie was, but I didn't know the magnitude of what a what a great influencer Ernie Johnson was. But this is a crazy thing. Michael Johnson is a greater influencer than his father. <laughs> with simply saying, love you too. So t- take listeners in where that went, because that story has been told everywhere. Uh, but you know more the details of, of where that's gone. W- w- the impact of Love You Too and, and Michael's heart for other people, uh, w- what impact has that had? Um, we invited him. Um, I wrote a note to Cheryl and Ernie and said, hey, would love to have your son on the team. And their, their response back is like, uh, what, like, does this coach, is he crazy? Does he understand our son's in a wheelchair? Like he, That's not the he, first time someone's called you crazy for one of your ideas, coach. I just got to no, call no, you. No, no, thank you. And they're thinking like, uh, there's something not right about this. Well, that's when Ernie and I met. We met in the parking lot at Mill Creek High School. And see, he said, like, Coach Bowler, tell me, tell me about this. And he kind of shows the letter that I wrote. And I said, Ernie, I'm not really sure why I'm standing in Houston, Georgia, uh, with roots from Indiana, but I do know this. Your son has to be involved in this. He has to because he's got something that we need to share with other people. And he said, we're all in. And from that point, Michael, we put the basketball on, on his lap on the wheelchair, and in those days he's able to drive out. He led our team out of the locker room. Um into the gym and then he spun off behind our our bench and cut out in bleachers and he had great influence in taking young men and helping them to understand um exactly what we're talking about that the game of basketball is about everybody else when you make it about everybody else what a fun game to play and and when you make go ahead I'm sitting here right now looking at a wristband, and it has I am third on one side and love you two on the other side. And before I connect those dots, I know this story has been told in many other places. What's the breadth of of where this has gone? Uh, Through this this trip, I've been on coattails of wonderful men, and and I'm suggesting to all listeners – surround yourself with wonderful men and women that know what they believe in and let that be what drives how they behave. So I've been to Taiwan, and I'll introduce Coach Mo to this whole thing. Co- Coach Mo is a kindred spirit of mine, and, and I've got on his coattails, and he's on like, hey, let's go to Taiwan. I'm thinking like, go to Taiwan? What are you talking about? Well, we go to Taiwan, and all of a sudden, the Love You Two stories out there, and the other teams that we share it with, they give a hand signal. We take a picture. We send it back to her name, Cheryl and Michael. So he's been in Taiwan. He's been in China. He's been in the Philippines. He's been to Africa. He's been to South America, Central America. He's been to Europe. He's been to Canada. Um, he's been on every continent that basketball is a part of where they introduce the story. And you can explain a little bit how it works with the fingers of um, in sign language, the I, the love, and, and the you. And then when you tip your finger down, it means love you too. Mm-hmm. That's what this young man has brought through basketball. And it is everywhere. It and, is everywhere. And that, that connects us to this point in our season. So we're getting ready to play in the, the conference championship game. And in the second half, Kyle Magus is going to come on and talk about the game 
specifically, because it was one of the most exciting we've had here at Indiana Wesleyan, but Ernie was inducted into the Society of World Changers here at Indiana Wesleyan. And it was such a joy for me because I got to go pick him up from the airport. And, and right away, he gets in the, the car and he's telling stories of, of Tony, your oldest son, who has been a best friend since birth, basically, uh, telling stories about you. And then talking about the impact you've had in Atlanta. And, and it leads me to this document I hold in my hand. I was going through recently an old binder. And uh, it's a it's a document you gave to our basketball team about legacy links the beginning of a legend and and in it you told us when we were players about what we needed to do to link up to a stronger chain and how as we linked to each other in relationship and we started to move forward there would be a legacy that was created that would last for a hundred years or more and would make a legend and as i read this i about fell to the floor because i'm thinking about how god connected the dots from your influence on me, me seeing an example of an I am third co- coach before I even knew I wanted to get into coaching, then you going down and connecting with Ernie and Michael and this story, love you too, and then the way it came together and the connection of I am third and love you too and the shared heartbeat between those, uh, it, it just reminded me of something you have told me time and time again, and, and I'd love you to finish by just giving a comment on this. You always say to me, it's a story you'd only believe if you knew who God was. What do you mean when you say that? Um, I think I, I'm going to tie in uh, Coach Smith a little bit, Dean Smith. Um, in his book, and I think it's in the Carolina Way, I believe, uh, Jeff, I think he said that um, if you know what you believe, it will drive how you act and behave. Well, that biblical principle of building your house on a rock versus building on sand. If you build on stuff that is not rock solid, you're always having to search on what to build on. If you build on the foundation of God our Father and through His Son and then are led by His Spirit, that's rock solid. And where I'm at right now, that would be exactly what drives how I would love everyone to behave and myself first, because you got to get that right. But that led to that led that, that rock. We want to be tied to that. And we're going to go through all kinds of junk in this life. We're going to go through every kind of storm you can imagine and call it cancer and call it um, sickness and, and call it financial woes and call it, the pressures of, of drugs and sex and alcohol and all those things are going to attack all of us. We're promised that. Well, if you're on sand, you're going to be in trouble. If you're built on the rock, you've got something to hang on to. And I love that in the greatest playbook ever, um, that's pretty specific. Build, build your house on a solid foundation. And then I'll throw a couple of scripture out here, Jeff, I think from the greatest playbook ever, they're really good. Um, you want to build a solid team, go to 1 Corinthians 12. And it's, it's one team with many different parts. And then you, you want to go to John 5, 24, where Jesus said, I'm going to cross you all over from death to life. And our family recently lived that. In March, uh, uh, my brother Steve crossed over, 
and his chapter for our family was Psalm 84 in verses 1 and 2. Um, this is theologically so wrong, but I love it anyway. It says, uh, my soul yearns and even faints for courts of the Lord. And I've got a little basketball court drawn in my Bible <laughs> saying that Jesus is going to cross us over. He's going to. And their courts in heaven, I think he's going to be really good, really good shooter. <laughs> and that kind of summarizes in a long way what, what that means for me that what God put in my spirit of build on the rock, otherwise it's a waste. So, Coach, last and, last thing, can I can I have you encourage a specific group right now? Because you were obviously a high school basketball coach in Indiana, and, and you're talking right. through all these things, and now you have years of, 40 years of coaching. Uh, talk to a young high school coach or a young college coach who is dealing with pressure, uh, wants to win, wants to please parents or fans or his administration is going through a tough season is discouraged in some way but loves christ and wants to know what it looks like to coach with an i am third mentality what's the biggest encouragement you would give that person right now from all your experience i i I think uh i'm going to stutter a little bit so that um say this with powerful word because we'll only say it once I think you have to go to the nails of the cross. I think you have to get to the cross and coaches, it's got to be by yourself where you just walk to that cross and know that those nails show that the love of Jesus already knows and has taken care of that and covered it for you. And understands it because it is it is a death that the King of Kings gave to give us life and I think in our struggles when I personally now go to the cross he keeps saying I know I know Phil I know I know I've got you and I think in that isolation and the loneliness of those times when you think absolutely no one in the world cares. Well, I know someone that does. I know someone that does. And going there um, doesn't really make it easier, but it sure gives you someone that you can follow. Because he promises that. And then he promises that I'll give you all the power you need. And then I say that that's one. And then the second thing is get around people that have built on the rock and get around them for encouragement. And and what was fun for me that day was to see one of those men that you surrounded with with now, Ernie, just to to even hear in his voice the similar way you look at at the world. Uh, And to have him here for that moment was fun for our team. And when we come back, we're going to hear from one of the players in in that game more about the game. It always liked to to have Ernie there, to have him call the game, but then even to have him call him out in chapel the next day, uh, and w- what a thrill it was for our team. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG president, Trent Daly. 
Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. What an awesome couple of days it's been here at IWU. Um, has Kyle missed a shot yet? I went to the championship game last night. Kyle, did you miss, is Kyle here today? Yeah. Have, you, have, you, have you missed a... How many shots have you missed this year? Like four? And that was just out of mercy for the other guy? Congratulations on another conference championship. That was great last night. We're joined now by Kyle Mangus. Kyle, we're talking about the conference championship game and our win over Mount Vernon, but I want to rewind first to the game before against Marion because we talked last episode about Kanan hitting that shot. What do you remember about that night when, when Kanan made that three to win the game? That was an awesome night, and uh, I just remember Kanan coming off that right wing. and He has put so much time into the gym, so I think we all knew it was going in, and I think Kanan – he knew it was going in himself, but it was it was awesome. Everyone rushed the court. We all jumped on him and celebrated big time afterwards because we needed that win um, as we were trying to get a conference tournament championship, and that was huge for our season. Obviously, part of part of the reason to come to Anna Westland is uh, other than the spiritual climate, the opportunities, but the chance to play in big games and play for championships. So, what was your mentality going into the conference championship game against Mount Vernon? Um, I was excited because, uh, one, just knew there would be – well, one, I mean, you're playing for a conference championship in itself, and, I mean, whenever you hear championship and conference, like, those words just get you pumped up, and Mount Vernon's a great team. We knew they had been playing at a high level, just be Spring Arbor, so, yeah, they were playing at a high level. And also, we knew the crowd would be big and loud, and also Ernie Johnson was coming to the game. And <laughs> he's – I mean, one of the great voices in basketball and, and sports in the media. So that was exciting, too. So before we get to the game itself, you mentioned Mount Vernon and the level of team they were. And they were the fourth seed in our conference tournament. The conference at the top was so good this year. Mm-hmm. What's it like going through the whole season playing against that level of competition every single night? I think on our 30-game schedule, we played 17 ranked opponents this mm-hmm. year. Um, going through – a conference that tough really helps your team and it helps every team in the conference. Um, the fact that Mount Vernon was a four seed is crazy. And then, I mean, Marion was so talented and Spring Arbor was a great team too. The, yeah, the top of the conference was uh, really good this year. So we knew it, it was going to be a grind of a game and a good game versus Mount Vernon um, going into that one. One of the things I remember about that game, we, we often – we'll have jam-packed crowds. But our students have this ability to show up 30 seconds before tip where Ernie Johnson walked in the gym 15 minutes and it was already standing room only and the crowd went nuts. And for the next, in that moment, there was this buzz and electricity that, that came on and it carried through the entire rest of the game. Yeah. What do you remember about the crowd that night? 
when we were warming up, yeah, about 15 minutes before the game, all of a sudden, because we warm up at the other side, we, we all heard a loud, like, oohs and ahs, and we turned around, and Ernie walked through the walked through the door in his bow tie, bow tie and suit that he wears on TV, and it was just awesome to see him actually at one of our games, the Iwoo game, as he's calling guys like Russell Westbrook and LeBron every night, but he was... Uh, going to be at our game so he walked over to the crowd and they all gave him love and uh he got some pictures and autographs with them and then he went and sat and watched the game behind our bench and even went on the radio with uh roger and those guys for a little bit but the game didn't start the way we wanted to at at halftime you had five points uh with 16 minutes left we were down by 10 and we'd been in this spot as a team where we had gotten a deficit and we had to climb out but in that moment what was the team feeling the first half we didn't play our best basketball I don't think anyone really had played that well up to that point so we went to the locker room and just knew we had to step up and we knew we could play better and we all like love big games and I think we just kind of were playing too a little too rushed and uh just not our style so we got calmed down in the locker room and um, locked in and came out in that second half, and our defense was tremendous, I think, first of all, and that led to a lot of offense and big moments. Well, what, what many people don't know is we found out later Joel broke his hand in that game. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot we were dealing with. Joel had a broken hand. We're down by 10. But then you score 20 points in the second half and lead us to a victory to, to win the championship and cut down the nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Joel, when he broke his hand in the first half, I saw it. He landed weird on the far side hoop, and it looked like something was wrong. And he uh, he played through that. He's a warrior, and he played through every other game. But um, yeah, in, in that second half, I uh, just felt more in rhythm. Um, tried to just let the game come to me, let some screens come to me, come off, and um, took some tough shots and made them. I remember that. Uh, I think it was. I kind of fed off the crowd as they were getting into it more. As we, as we kept coming back, then we just took the lead and just kept going from there. And uh, yeah, it was an awesome night. And that was, that was fun. I mean, we lingered on that court for it was it was a long. We were out there for two hours. I think Ernie came back fun. and was celebrating with the team. Yeah. The, the student section was just hanging out on the mm-hmm. court, and there was just a lot of of time just reminiscing on what had happened because we knew this was the last time that. Trevor and Evan Joel would ever play in Lucky Gym. So there was just a lot of memories we were sharing with each other. Yeah, that was um, a good time. And we all took pictures and cut down the nets afterwards, uh, after the win. And Ernie came in, and we all got to meet him, shake his hand, and introduce ourselves to him afterwards. And it's pretty cool hearing his voice. It sounds the exact same <laughs> as on TV. So I think what blew my mind was just his level of knowledge of the game because – he probably signed a thousand autographs and took a thousand pictures, mm-hmm. but he knew every detail. And he came yeah. down. He knew every guy on our team. He remembered plays that he had made. And then yeah. the next day in our our chapel service, when he really shared his heart for Christ, he called you out in front of thousands of people and and asked if you'd missed a shot yet. Yeah, that was in chapel the next day, and it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I, I sit there, and he mentions the first thing he comes up and says, "He goes, where's Kyle? Where's Kyle? Has he missed a shot yet?" And Everyone knows where I sit, and they turn and look at me, and I'm just I'm so red because I I'm the guy who gets pretty embarrassed by that stuff. Uh, so, it, but yeah, that's pretty neat, and I'll be able to say that forever that 
Ernie Johnson kind of knows who I am. That's kind of special to say. <laughs> we were laughing because the next week uh, after you hit the, the game-winning shot against Dakota Wesleyan, we got another text from Ernie, and we said, hey, has Kyle missed yet? So he'd been following along from there. So it's pretty neat. It was it was a yeah. pretty fun way to, to culminate our season in Lucky Jim and, and all the memories we had had there. Yeah, that was cool too. And it shows how humble of a guy Ernie is because he's on the biggest stage possible. And he's the fact that he's just spending time with us and in our student body and at our schools, that's pretty incredible and just shows how great of a person he is. Last thing, Kyle, the next day in chapel, he shared – Really is hard. He was inducted as a world changer. That's what brought him to NL Westland. Uh, a world changer being someone who goes into wherever they're at and they change the world for Christ there. So for him, it's a big stage. For other people, it's a small stage. And he talked a lot about some of the smaller ways, uh, the, the, the behind-the-scenes people who he has seen change the world. What do you remember about what he shared that day? Um, I remember one main story he talked about was his son and uh, his coach and his son didn't really have the ability to play basketball, but um, the coach at his high school gave him a chance to be on the team. And uh, the whole, I remember the whole high school just embraced him and what they had to offer. So Ernie just shared the story of how no matter the, no matter the, the level you're on um, and no matter, you know, whether you have a bunch of money or resources, none of that really matters. It's just, um, giving your time and giving your abilities by God just to help and impact others. On our next episode, you'll join the team as they head to the national tournament. In the first half, you'll hear from the seniors about where the team was at heading into the tournament. In the second half, you'll hear from Coach Tonic about his expectations going in. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Iwoo Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.